You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Coach Podcast. We are back to our regular program today, interviewing a current captain, shifting back from our sports philosophy series. My guest today is Joe Delagrave. Joe has an absolutely amazing story, and we had a great conversation today. He grew up as a three-sport athlete and played Division II football at Winona State, but when he was 19, he suffered a tragic accident and was left paralyzed. Through his struggle and rehabilitation, he ended up finding wheelchair rugby and since has attained the highest level of excellence in the sport, playing for the U.S. national team for over a decade now and has been the captain of the team for about eight years. The big theme throughout our conversation today is communication and servant leadership. We talk about how culture has always been one of the focuses for him as a captain and how he uses communication on and especially off the court to bring about a better culture and family environment. Joe also shares the story of how he has evolved as an individual athlete and leader throughout his time on the team and being a captain, as well as his invaluable advice for captains out there today. Again, it was really awesome conversation, full of actionable steps and bits you can apply today, tomorrow, for the rest of the season as a leader. So I'll get out of the way here. So please enjoy on another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. Hey, Joe, thanks for coming on the Captain's Coach Podcast. It's great to have you. Hey, thanks for having me, Luke. I really appreciate it. Yeah, really, really, really excited. Um, I think you're going to bring a very unique perspective to our listeners. And, you know, it's just from the conversation and, and reading your bio, this is, I'm really excited for this conversation. So, you know, the best place to start, I think, uh, as, as often it is, is just tell us a little bit about your team, kind of what it's been like to be a captain and, and some of the things that you do as a program to develop leadership and kind of build that leadership mentality on the team and in the program. Yeah, well, let's unpack that a little bit. Uh, I guess, first of all, I'll start with what the team is. So, uh, play uh, wheelchair rugby for the national team, uh, been on the team for, um, this will be end up going into my 13th season with COVID, kind of being the, the COVID 12th season, uh, which was kind of like one tournament and then lockdown for the whole year. But anyway, um, and, and then been a captain for seven of those years, eight of those years. Um, and yeah, it's, a, it's, been a, it's been a crazy ride. Um, not every single year has been, great leadership from me. I think we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit, but um, kind of learned as I went. But uh, one of the big things that we like to talk about in, in our sport is is culture and, and making sure people are being responsible for their roles. I think personal responsibility is huge and, and kind of owning that as a leader um, and then having that trickle down throughout the organization is, is super important that everyone has 
a space um, where they can be a leader. Everyone has a space where they can have personal responsibility and that helps build that culture. And I think it's really important too when you're starting out a foundation um, is to build it in, in um, a, a culture that is built out of love. I think it's really important to kind of sit and, and say, hey, what's everyone, where's everyone at? Like who is each person? I, I don't think you can lead people without knowing who they are as people. Um, yeah, I think sometimes we tend to like unhumanize leadership tendencies a, a little bit. Like I think it's really important and for me, especially in a smaller group to know who I'm talking to so I understand where they're coming from and who they are as a person. Right, and, and obviously that culture piece is is what's really going to drive and be a reflection of that family or that love mentality that you have on a team and you know we were talking to relatively small team program only 16 guys um definitely a, a little bit more conducive and, and easier to kind of develop that than maybe say you know a pro football team with you know hundreds of people in the organization and the actual players but um I like how you you said how important the leadership aspect is, and it's kind of trickled down. You know, the, the first tenet of leadership we have at the captain's coach is everything rises and falls with leadership. So, you know, if if you don't have good leadership in place, or you don't have the right the right people in place, or the right systems, you're never going to be as successful as your potential. Um, you know, Greg Greg Popovich has a has a phenomenal. Um, a quote that I love having on here is, you know, a, a player coach team and a player led team will always outperform a coach coach team and a coach led team. So to see that that leadership stem from the athletes themselves and the players on the team makes makes a huge difference. Is there anything you or the program does specifically um, that really promotes either that culture or those conversations or that bonds um, like team meetings or informal things to really get to know people, like you said, and develop kind of that love and family mentality. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that we do that um, I think is really important is it's, it's more through our sports psychologist, uh, Dr. Uh, Margaret Smith. And, and she works with us. She was a former athlete um, at the university of North Carolina um, as, as a runner there and, and understands, um, being an elite athlete. And so that was, that was helpful. Number one for us to kind of trust her, but, um, it, it ended up being able to have conversations off the court in sports psychology as a team, um, as small groups. Um, and I think kind of unpacking some of the, some of the things that we said on the court and why we said them. Uh, in a fast-paced game, uh, you know, basketball would be a, a great example, or football, um, rugby obviously is, is high contact, and physical, and fast-paced, and so like, you don't have time for the cream puff. Like, hey man, do you mind? Like, I, I really love you, dude. And like, come over here. And, like, you don't say stuff like that. That's like, that's something that uh, you're just not going to say on the court. It's fast-paced. You're going to say quick things and quick one-word kind of buzzwords that you've learned over the years. Um, but, and you're not worried about your tone. You're not worried about the infliction of it. You're not worried about like what, uh, how you're saying it, what you're saying, because it's just said in the moment. Right. And those at face value can be uh, detrimental to the team if you don't have things set up off the court. Um, right. and so off the court, that's kind of what we've done in sports. Like is 
is um, why are we saying the things we're saying? And then um, where are they rooted in? Are they rooted in like brotherly love? Are they rooted in um, a place that, hey, we care about each other? And so we had to say those things off the court. So on the court, the things that, that uh, at face value could have been demeaning or could have been detrimental um, aren't because we've talked about it off the court and we're like, hey, like, um, this is, I, I, I want to win because I love you guys and I want to win because, or, you know, I, I want to succeed because we put, you know, X, Y, Z into this. And for us to have those conversations off the court um, and, and kind of build that foundation over the last, um, you know, decade is, is really important to kind of pushing forward on, on some of those um, on the court, short, quick answers. We're, almost like giving giving each other permission to yell at each other right um, right right. yeah 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 no that makes perfect sense that's what i had to your last point the permission thing yeah that's exactly kind of what i was gonna i was gonna follow it with is it, it's almost a an understanding of hey you know joe's gonna scream at me on the court and use these types of words and this kind of language and inflection but i know not to take it personally and i know that it's coming from a place of love of of leadership of you know, whatever, whatever the situation may call for, it's coming from a positive place and it's just coming out a certain way because I know Joe comes from this background and he has this mindset and this is his communication on the court. And I think that's, that's a great asset that you have with your sports psychologist. It's almost like a team counselor kind of from what it sounds like, you know, Hey, uh, it definitely can be, it definitely can be. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not a, like you said, you don't really have time for those fluffy conversations, but if you make this space and you put systems in place as a coach or a leader to kind of flesh those things out, you know, you, you see a couple guys getting rubbed the wrong way by the way another person might talk to them on, on, on the court. Like, Hey, we need to have a conversation, you know, like, I can tell, you know, Billy over here is really pissing you guys off with the way he's communicating on the court. Like, Hey, Billy, what's your problem? Um, Or do you even have a problem? Is that just how you communicate and being able to, to flesh that out, you know, communication is such a big piece of being a captain, but it's also such a big piece of any team or any culture is the communication because when it comes down to interpersonal relationships, in my opinion, the number one reason for any conflict isn't necessarily people's actions it's or their intentions it's really it's the miscommunication of those actions or those intentions yeah i, I especially when you get into an organization that is mostly male uh our sport's unique it, it, it's actually a co-ed sport um but very few women play on the national team because it's, 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 it's just hard, tough to get there right now. We have one on our, uh, in our program, um, which is amazing and, 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 and awesome. And it's a whole new set of challenges to like, make sure that she's welcome in this culture make sure that we are, um, you know, it's just, it's very unique to like take a male dominant sport and then plop a woman in there and then make sure that like she's accepted and loved and cared for. And like, there's, you know, and so like, that's, that's been interesting, but, I think what I was going with it is in a, in a male dominated uh, organization in a male dominated kind of environment, communication isn't a strong point usually. It just right. isn't. Like it's not, you know, like we, we like to avoid conflict and we like to have those bro talks about sports and the weather and uh, you know, your grass or whatever. And, 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 and instead of actually talking about things that are going on, 
Um, and so there's, there's that kind of um, wall to break down. And then secondly is a lot of times we just like to pretend everything's okay. Like as men, like we like to pretend everything's okay. We don't want to talk about our inadequacies. We don't want to talk about like those triggers that that get us. Um, we we like to just kind of push that off because that's uh, quote unquote more manly. Like that's more uh, acceptable. It's kind of like just oh, let's just hide what what's it really going on and let's just kind of push forward and with with brute strength and um, and so what happens is uh, instead of communicating, you leave this space of no one's communicating and what happens in that space of non-communication is negativity creeps in like normally you, you know like oh well, we don't have anything to talk about and like we don't need to communicate and when that happens normally it's not positive things creeping in it's yeah. usually negative vibes because if you're not communicating that it, it's it's an opportunity for those negative vibes to creep in and all of a sudden there's like man what's this guy think about me my leader hasn't right. talked to me in like two months like he must man like what's going on or like my coach hasn't said you know where where i'm at on the team what role i'm gonna play like what you, you, you're not gonna be like super positive about that like that's not gonna happen negativity creeps in and so over communicating there is huge and i think out of that communication comes expectation and and expectations are important within um within within a team environment because if you have those expectations, you understand your role and then you can prepare for it. Uh, if you don't have those expectations and there's, there's, there's a lack of expectations. So unknown expectations leads to resentment. It leads right. to like, I don't know my role here. So I don't really know how to train. I don't know my role here. So I don't really know how to prepare for games. Am I going to play 30 minutes? Am I going to play 20 minutes? Am I going to sit on the bench and be a cheerleader? And like, I could prepare for that. And so like, those unknown expectations um, can be a really falling, a really big falling point for, for a team. Yeah. And like you said, that negativity creeps in. And I think, you know, if anyone's been on a sports team or been a coach of a sports team, you can see some of that come out in verbal and physical fights or altercations in the middle of practice or on the sideline at the end of a game in a tight situation. You see that kind of pop out. And, you know, this is why sometimes in the middle of practice, I know in, in college on the lacrosse team, we, there were a couple practices. I, I can remember vividly. There are two that I remember off the top of my head, two guys just, you know, came to blows on the, in the middle of practice, in the middle of a drill. And, you know, the coaches were very hesitant to, to stop it immediately um, because you need to let some of that steam out because if you break it up immediately and you don't let that tension get out and let that go, it's only going to continue building. And the reason why it was there to begin with is because there was a lack of communication between those two individuals or between the team as a whole. And that built up inside of them and it crept in and crept in and crept in and built and built and built until it boiled over to a, a, a situation. So instead of having that situation boil over in the middle of practice or in a high stress situation at the end of the game, have that conversation in a really safe environment, low threat, um, and kind of just, you know, not, not necessarily force people to say stuff they don't want to say, but, you know, make them feel comfortable saying things and having problems and talking about the problems. Because like you said, more often than not, communication is a, is a weak point inside of, athletes and, and especially when you start talking about 
male teams or all male teams. Um, you know, outside of this communication piece, Joe, has there ever been, I'm not saying this was ever a conflict or a crisis on your team. sounds like you guys do a phenomenal job. Has there ever been a time of conflict or a crisis on the team that was handled by yourself since you've been a captain or, or maybe another captain of the team in years past? And was there anything specifically that you or they did well and how it kind of impacted the whole team to get through that conflict or crisis? Yeah, um, there's, there's plenty of examples. <laughs> we, it's one of the, you know how it is in sports. Like it's, yep. you, you can have a great culture and there's still going to be, and, that, and that's, oh, a yeah. good thing. that's a good thing for sure. Um, because that means, you know, you're being real with each other and being vulnerable with each other. But um, I think the example that I would share from like a, a, a positive standpoint, we have a player um, who he's one of the best players in the world. Um, and uh one of our one of our best players on our team obviously it's like but if he does really well things go well if he does if he has a poor game um he tends to get down on himself and kind of like check out of the game a little bit um and that's and he's been on the team for a long time a decade um uh, on the national team and so he's a veteran and one of our one of our best players and so like that's been something that we've talked about and how can we support you how can we how can you how can you know that we hey man like when you're having a bad game and you just threw the ball into the you know the second row of the stands how can we help you bounce back and it was for him it was just having that conversation off the court um because you see it over and over and over again like man he's checking out like all right well if he throws the ball away like we've got to figure out a different line because this line's not going to work. And, and so having those conversations off the court or having those, uh, you know, like what, what, what do you need? What verbal cues or what body language do you need from us? So you know that your team's got your back. Um, and he's like, I, I just need you guys, you know, like, you know, a pat on the back or like, or, 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 and not like this, you know, this whole, like Mr. Rogers neighborhood, like lovey dovey thing. Like, no, like, just like, Hey man, we got you. It's all good, man. Uh, love you, dude. You got this. Let's, you know, just super simple stuff on the court. It doesn't need to be a huge talk, just simple verbal cues. Um, so we're in Japan last year. We're in Japan in, in October, 2019. And it's basically like our, like our third biggest tournament of the cycle. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the uh, World Wheelchair Rugby Challenge. Um, and it's played in conjunction, same, it's always in the same uh, city as uh, same, same country as the rugby able-bodied world cup. And so um, huge, everyone's trying to win. Like it's a, it's a prestigious tournament. And so um, we're obviously trying to win. We're in the semifinal game against uh, Great Britain. And, um, and this athlete ends up, ends up having a terrible game. Like it's, it's not good. And he's throwing the ball at the gym and, you know, about, Kill a Japanese woman with the ball on the third row. I'm kidding, but like he just right front of my like this, like not oh, great. Like this isn't good. Like the game's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We're down one, we're up one, we're down two. Like and and back and forth all the way through. And so like third quarter again, uh, throws it away, and coach takes him off the court, which I usually be like okay, where he like he can't come back in. But some of those verbal cues happened. Hey man, we got your back. Hey, it's, it, it's all good. Um, you know, we're going to need you. And so uh, in that huddle, he's like, yeah, I need to, I need a break. And for him to like, say like, I need a break. 
um, you uh, like you guys got this and then, and, then, and then I'll get back. And for him to say that like during a game when he's having a horrendous game um, was huge. Like, what, like, we're like, huh, who is this guy? And um, so gets a break, you know, gets two, three minutes on the bench, gets a breather. Um, we ended up getting a turnover when he was off the court. He comes back in, helps us win the game at the end, um, ends up being MVP of the tournament. But like th- for him to actually say that and for him to trust his teammates and trust us that we trusted him when he came back on and trusted some other guys to take his spot on the court was, was probably one of like the most proudest moments I've had as a leader, because it's like, wow, we're doing something right here as far as culture goes. And for him to be able to do that, like that's what we need when we go to the Paralympics. Like we need um, for him to realize like, Hey, it's not all on your shoulders. We've got other people. Um, if you're having a bad game, you can still have a really good game throughout that game. And so like, that was, that was one of those moments, I think, where all those conversations were like, wow, okay, those, those really helped. And, and, and that was worth it kind of talking through some of those feelings. Yeah. That's a, that's an awesome story, Joe. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. The first thing that, that sticks out to me is just for him to have that, that presence of mind and, you know, some sort of comfort and almost like a, you know, a metaphorical hug around him to be able to pull him out of that, to jolt him out of that funk of poor performance that he's having to say, you know what, this is exactly what we've been talking about. Going back to the, I'm sure he went back to some of those conversations he had with you and, you know, some of the other leaders on the team and just other guys on the team and was able to say, you know what, this is exactly what everyone has been talking to me about. I'm going to step back. Uh, I'm going to let them do their thing. And, you know, when I feel like I'm ready to now contribute again, and then, you know, ended up (laughs) contributing at the end of the game and resulting in a win and him having, you know, a phenomenal tournament. Otherwise that's the, that's the important, you know, the, the inches, the small little stuff that ends up having exponential results because of it. Um, So it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool story. And and yeah, I would, I'm not surprised. That's a, something that you look back finally on as a, as a leader and something you take away as being a huge marker and reflection of your culture. And it's, it's interesting that that happens to be your best player. And, you know, you're talking about the leadership that you gave the best player on the team. And this is just kind of a, a quick side note that I, I like to highlight that the, the best team or the best player on the team, you know, sometimes we see automatically become a captain, but that's not always the best decision. And actually, you know, Sam Walker is, a, is an author that I had on the show. He's the author of the captain class and he, he profiled the greatest captains or the greatest, sorry, this greatest sports dynasties over the last hundred years found the only thing they had in common was a transformational captain. And nine times out of 10, that captain was not the best player on the team. Um, yeah. And, and I think this story that you have is a great example of why that sometimes isn't always the best thing because you need the best player on your team, the most talented person on the team to perform at their top level. If they have to worry about all the other issues that are going on in the team, they're never going to be able to figure out the issues with themselves and the issues they have with themselves or, or their performance impacts the team way more than, you know, a role player or the second or third or fourth or fifth best player on the team. And the captain and leaders of the team can help him, or her work through those issues like you guys did. If he was a captain, I I would bet 
that he, if he was a sole captain by himself, I bet that those conversations would be a lot harder to have with him um, from other yeah. people. And the other people might not have stepped up to have those conversations with him and you'd be in the same position as before. So just a, a quick little side note there that I like to highlight when it comes up in these conversations, just a really cool story that kind of cements it in a way. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So I know at the beginning, you know, you said you had, you had made some changes over your, your tenure as a captain. What are some of the challenges you faced early on, um, maybe some mistakes you made early on as a leader, and, and what are some of the biggest changes you've made in yourself um, since becoming a captain on the team? Yeah, I, I kind of take it a little. There's a couple different um, spots in the timeline that that were extremely important. Um, it, number one, I came, I became a captain in 2013. It was right after the 2012 uh, Paralympics, and so in, in 2012 was kind of the end of the regime of of a group that had um, one of the most successful runs in our sports history. Um, they won everything from 2006 up until 2012 they won uh, world championships twice in 2006 and 2010 a gold medal in beijing paralympics um and basically were were undefeated throughout that entire run like didn't lose um i was part of it in 2010 as a role player um and 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 used the pom-poms a lot didn't get a lot of playing time but um it was a long for the run in 2010 and 2012 I uh, was on the team as well and going in obviously heavy, heavy favorites to win. And we ended up uh, losing in the semifinal games to Canada by one. Um, it ended up being a, a, one of those crazy games and a Canada rivalry with like any sport U S versus Canada. It seems to be a rivalry, but right. Um, n- no different in wheelchair rugby and ended up losing by one getting a bronze medal and beating Japan in the, in the, in the bronze medal game. But, um, after that, a lot of the veterans retired, both of our captains retired. Like, and so we became a really young team and that regime before was out there. Like the culture wasn't great. Uh, obviously they won a lot, but, um, from, from the rookies that, uh, like myself, and there's three or four other guys that are still around now that were around then. And, and it was, it was a culture that I was like, we just didn't feel, like we were cared about, we felt that no one really like didn't really care about us, like whatever, and and um, no one really kind of helped us or like mentored us, and uh, a lot of it was like figured out, and you know, and and, and, and like it's a tough environment too sometimes because it's it's you know everyone's hunting for playing time or hunting for a spot or mm-hmm. um, or trying to keep their spot, and so like the, there's always that, but um, and so in 2013 we're like let's just let's let, you know let's have fun fun, 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 fun. You know, let's make this environment fun. And then, and as a leader, I was like, man, we just, we just, the guys need to be, we need to have fun. And so 2013, and it was a crazy successful year. We ended up winning on three continents and um, golds in, in, in Australia and in, um, in um, where else? Denmark and back in the States and, and wow. ended up beating that Canadian team by 23 in our home soil and like just a crazy successful year. And I'm just, I'm puffing my job. Like this is great leadership. Like this is amazing. Yeah. And the, in, in 2014 world championships, we ended up losing to that same team in Canada in semifinals and overtime by like two. And so 
all comes crashing down and, 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 and trying to figure it out, like, why are we, you know, why are we losing these games when it's close? And, um, but I had had tunnel vision since that 2012 um, failure in semifinals, tunnel vision on gold and Rio, gold, 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 gold. Like if gold, if we win, it validates me as a leader. If we win, it validates uh, this team and what we can do with the culture of, of fun. If we win, it's going to validate me as a husband and as a father. Like just, I got so tunnel visioned on as a leader of the goal, mm-hmm. uh, which was winning, which isn't really yep. a goal, it's an outcome. But um, that, that, was, that was like, that was the vision. And if, and if we win gold, we just slap the label of success and great leadership and great coaching, great environment. Like that will all just get slapped on because that's what we need to do to, to validate everything. Right. Um, 2016 rolls around and the way like the team went and I was a captain 13, 14, 15, um, 2016, I wasn't. Uh, captain and we had some stuff going on with with a, with a, a assistant coach but like there and, and I kind of saw the writing on the walls like I don't know if I'm going to make this 2016 team like I the, the him and I think we were actually captains together in 2014 and mm-hmm. uh, um, didn't see I some things but like I'm like he became assistant coach and, and I'm like I, I, don't, I don't think I'll make this team but like I trained my ass off and, and trained extremely hard um, hopefully to make it. And so like in 2016, after those four years of tunnel visioned out, there were two months away from going to Rio. Uh, I'm on the training squad. And then they named the 12 that are going to Rio. I'm not on the team. And man, like Luke, I was devastated, completely. Uh, it, it wrecked me. Like it, it was one of the toughest things I've been through. And I've, you know, 19, I broke my neck in a, in a boating accident that, that left me in this wheelchair and yeah. uh, became quadriplegic. And like, but that was just as hard. Like that was so mentally like just draining. And um, cause it's, it's your identity getting ripped away. It's what you've worked for for four years. It's like your validation ticket just getting ripped up. And now I can't validate myself as a leader, as a husband or as a father, as a like, you know, and then um, just wrecked me. And so like, that was probably a turning point in me taking a look in the mirror, which for me, uh, when I speak to people or when, uh, when I'm leading, it's extremely important to get people to understand personal responsibility. Like it's easy to play the blame game. It's easy to be a victim. It's easy to say, well, this assistant coach didn't like me or this coach didn't like me or I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, like there's, there's a lot of things that you can, you can point fingers at when you're on a team environment. Like there's, there's plenty. And I think it's a lot harder to look in the mirror and go like, how can I get better? Um, I ended up, you know, after, after the, um, the, the roster was announced, I ended up, you know, coming back for the last training camp, which is two weeks long, uh, watch the guys get their jerseys. Um, and, and, and for me, I remember at that point I was like, and it might've been faking it to make it, but I was like, I need to, I'll hate myself if I don't show up here and encourage my teammates and love on my teammates. And, right just because I don't have the label, just because I don't have um, the Jersey and I'm not going to Rio doesn't mean I can't be a good teammate and I can't be a good uh, leader in its own right. And so I think a lot of times people forget that, like you don't need the label to be a good leader, right. you don't need the label to be able to do the right thing. And so um, that camp was emotionally one of the hardest things I've ever done, but um, something that I know I needed to do. Um, and that kind of that, and then along with 
having a reflection period, talking to my wife, um, talking to some mentors and um, that turning point. And so coming back in 2017, uh, ended up becoming a captain again. But uh, from then on, I just kind of made a pact with myself and, 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 and saying like, we've got to change the culture. And it starts with me and being able to be a servant leader and not being selfish and uh, in, in going, you know, we need gold, we need gold, we need gold like that. We, can, like, we, we can't control that at the end of the day, but we can't control right. who we are as a team, what our culture is, how we lead people. And it started with servant leadership and getting to know people, not just saying, man, I just need this guy to perform. I need that guy to perform or I need to perform. I need to look good or whatever. And a lot of it ends up being selfish instead of servant led. Yeah, that's an incredible story. Thanks again for, for sharing another one. Um, definitely emotional for you. And yeah, I can't imagine um, just going through that whole, that whole timeline, just the, the ups and downs that you had to endure as a team and as an individual and to come back in 2017 and completely change your mindset. And, you know, we all, it's cliche, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expect yeah. a different result. Yeah. Um, but for, for, you know, it's cliche for a reason is people do it a lot. And for you to come back and change something, realizing that you need to change something is, is a huge deal. And it's a huge part of leadership is, is being able to grow and adapt and communicate and take feedback and kind of have perspective. And what that comes from is exactly what you said. It's that, that servant leadership mentality. It's another tenet of leadership at the captain's coach we have is, is leadership is a service. It's not something you do for yourself. It's not a resume pattern. It's not a self-validation thing. It's a, I am doing a service for my teammates and for this team and this program as a whole, as, as a family. Um, you know, another a, a quote that uh, the listeners have heard me say a million times on the show already, but um, it's a quote that I love and I, it's hilarious, but it's, it's also great, is um, a leader without followers is not a leader. He's just walking. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's a great way to look at leadership as a service. Um, and your example and, and kind of that mindset and kind of the results you've had since, you know, kind of, kind of speak for themselves. And, and then the other piece I want to touch on is, like you said, that focus on winning gold. That wasn't really focusing on a goal. That was focusing on an outcome. And I love how you said, at the end of the day, that's not 100% in your control. And goals should be things that, you know, maybe not necessarily are 100% within your control, but are as in control as, as you can make them and yeah. that you can influence. So the, the, the flip in focusing on things you can control as a team, being better teammates, being better communicators, creating a culture that everyone was bought into and believed in and developed love and a family mentality, you know, that is a real goal that you can control and that if you don't meet it is completely on the leadership and on the rest of the teammates and the, and the whole team and winning. It's interesting. I, you know, I've had these, these conversations with some, some sport philosophy leaders um, that are sport philosophers. And one of the conversations I had about, we were talking about what's the purpose of sport and it's not winning. The purpose of sport is kind of to, to play within these rules and have all these, these outcomes that we don't really see as the primary one, obviously winning is the primary, 
but it's just a, it's a secondary, winning is a secondary effect of doing everything else the right way. And all those other things that we talk about doing the right way come from the culture and having each other's back and being a family and that love. So I just love, you know, all the, all the aspects of leadership really come into your story and how, how you developed as a leader and as a captain, as a teammate, you know, and a, as an individual, you know, over that, that time frame. Um, it's just incredible and, and a great example for, for any captain listening right now. Yeah, I think, I think what comes to mind too with that is, and, the, and some of the change was changing what the purpose was, you know, like the, for, for, for the first like half of my, or that first segment of, of being a leader on the national team, um, the purpose was gold. And like the, everything that I did was like, how can we win a gold medal by doing this? And, um, and like, and, and you can think in a positive term with that too, but for me, it was like, it was so tunnel visioned on that outcome um, that I wasn't like, what's the real purpose of this? Right. And having that happen when like, okay, boom, like I'm not even on the Rio team um, that's going there. And, and so like, I didn't even get a chance to fill that. It's like, what, looking back, like, what was the purpose? Right. And as and leadership is a funny thing like, like that. And I, and I, like, it's tough sometimes to, with the sport philosopher, like, like, yeah, but you know, like the, the goal isn't winning and like uh, any athlete that's on the court's like, shut up. Yes, it is. Like, yeah, yeah I wanna, I, like, you, yeah. we, we want to win. Like no one goes out there to lose. Like no one wants to go, well, I hope I lose today. Like, no, like that's not a thing. And, but I think like big picture, like zoom out is what's the purpose of this? Yep. And that's one of the questions I had to ask myself when I wanted to come back. And, and, and if I was going to come back, it's like, what am I doing this for? Like, why am I spending time away from my wife and my kids and uh, my home environment um, around all these guys for a long time? And then uh, and, and, and dedicating four years, which ended up turning into five. Like, why am I doing this? And, and I looked at it and said, the purpose isn't like the outcome of gold. The purpose is, are we going to help build each other up to be better men and women in the, in the organization um, and pave uh, a foundation that helps the next generation come in and have that culture as well. Like, can we pass that down? And like that purpose I think is way more important when you're able to say, yep, we're building up men, we're building up women, we're building up uh, an organization that is rooted in something that's really, really good um, and can be passed down to the next generations to come for the sport. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and that purpose, it's like you said, <laughs> it, is a, it is a very, fine line between winning isn't the point winning isn't the purpose obviously on a micro level in the middle of competition you know that's, that's what sport is sport is competition so obviously there is a focus on winning but like you said when you zoom out that's when you really have to to reevaluate because like you said if winning is the only thing you focus on at some point you're going to be in a situation and be at a point where winning isn't an option or isn't an opportunity for you anymore. And then what is the, like you said, what is the point of everything I'm doing? Yeah. Um, is there any other advice that you would give uh, fellow captains or, or someone aspiring to develop their leadership skills to be a captain, any advice for them? Yeah. I think in order to be a servant leader, um, you've got to be vulnerable. So like the, like, you know, the whole, the whole lead by example thing I've always wrestled with, 
Because I think like if someone's like, well, I don't, I, you know, I lead by example. If, like if you're never opening your mouth, you're not like, you're not a leader. Like, that's just, that's, that's like, kind of, and, and I, I get like, you can, so you can see someone and observe someone doing, you know, working hard or doing the right thing or, or uh, putting in the extra time. Like, that's great. But you're, that's that you're being, you're observing them. You're not it's necessarily, I think, I think it takes communication. Um, and so being vulnerable, like I think me sharing some of the pain that I went through in 2016 with the guys in 2017, 18, 19, 20, um, set the table for them to be able to feel like they had permission to talk about what's going on with, for them or, or, or feel um, like it was safe for them to kind of talk about some things that went on for them with, with whether that was their career and their personal life or whatever. Um, but being vulnerable and saying, you know what, like I'm vulnerable enough to show you guys what's going on um, in, 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 in hopes of having given you permission or giving you a safe environment for you guys to share as well. Um, because like the purpose of that too is number one, being vulnerable um, kind of lets people's guards down. But then number two, like it gives me a chance for them to open up and then I get to know who they are. So then I get to know like, it, it, it's so much easier to keep people accountable when you're vulnerable, they're vulnerable. Now I know more about them. Right. And now um, we can be accountable with each other on not a service level, but on a deeper level. Like, hey man, like, you, you know, we talked about, you know, you can have a conversation and someone's like, yeah, like I'm doing this because, um, you know, I, I want to make my, my, my wife proud, or I want to make my dad proud, or I want to like this, you know, whatever it'd be. And, um, we can have those conversations like, Hey, like, you know, we talked about that, like how, and so that accountability factor comes in, you can't like, it's tough to keep people accountable when like, you don't know where they're coming from, right. especially in a smaller organization. I think that, and I think that works for bigger organizations, bigger team environments. It just, the, the pyramid of leaders is bigger. Right, exactly. You have you have more subsets of leaders and 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 more leadership groups, if you will. But right, no, right. I think that's a, a great point. Understanding what motivates people, you know, leadership is influence. Another another tenant we have, you know, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, from John Maxwell, and you, it's really hard to influence people if you don't know what makes them tick, and yeah. if someone is having a bad day whether it be, you know, they're just not putting in the same effort you're used to seeing out of them. You know, they're, they're a little off their game mentally or physically that day. You know, if you know the reason why somebody is, is playing or, or the reason why they get up in the morning to do this and what they, the reason why they strive for excellence, if you go over and you just whisper something in their ear that has something to do with that, just a little reminder to them, you know, that, that can go miles. Yeah. Um, whereas you don't know what their motivation is and you go over and you say something super generic and it just pisses them off even more. It distracts them. They're like, what the hell is this guy talking about? He doesn't even know what I'm going through, let alone like how to motivate me. This is, you know, it could have the opposite effect and you're not even aware of it. So I think that's a great, a great starting point for anyone. It's just, it, you have to be vulnerable and give people permission to be vulnerable around you. Um, otherwise, you're not going to have those, those secondary and tertiary effects that we've been talking about this whole conversation that really come from that. So thanks again, Joe. That's a, a, an awesome tip for anybody out there at any level, coach, player, captain, whatever it may be at any level, yeah. um, incorporate that as much as you can, whether it be structured conversations or just, you know, going up to one person different every day and just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them because yeah. 
you're going to have people that aren't comfortable sharing in a group setting, but if you can get to them on an individual level, you know, you can still have the, the same effect. Um, yeah. I want to, I want to show, I want to bring up one more thing. Yeah. Uh, if I can, and is advice for leaders. I think it's probably not talked about enough. If you're reading leadership books or reading, uh, you know, uh, listening to leadership podcasts and, and, and it, there's one aspect of leadership that I think, especially, uh, I don't know the statistics of it, but I think a lot of leaders end up being people that loved like their heart is to pour into people, pour into people, pour into people and uh, help this person, help that person and run around. Like it makes them feel good. It makes them feel important. It makes them feel like validated. And, and, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. But I think one of the things that probably for me, it was, it was a huge, huge thing for me to learn and understand is I can't be a good leader if I don't have good self-care. And, and, and that one's really, really big. I think it's really important. Um, and, and I see it with, um, I see it with, with relationships in marriage as well and in relationships um, with your best friends and really like in order to be a good best friend, a good, a, a good husband or wife, a good teammate, a good leader is you've got to be able to take care of yourself. Cause if you right. don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be any good to anyone else. Um, and you, it's going to start breaking you apart. And so like, that was really important for me to understand and go like, I, that was one of the looking in the mirror things as well as saying like, I need to have good self care. I need yep. to know like when I need to check out and say, all right, and I need to just take some time for myself. Um, and, and being able to kind of build on that. If you have good self care, you have good personal responsibility. Now you can go and care for other people in a, in a better way. Right. No, I think that's a, that's a great, a great point, Joe. And, and it's something that's glossed over as you know, the, the captain and the leader is somebody who nobody should ever have to worry about because that's their job is to worry about everybody else, but everybody else includes yourself. So yeah. first and foremost, you should be doing the right thing all the time, no matter what, having yourself as prepared as possible to fulfill your roles on the team from a, from a talent skill perspective. And then, you know, making sure you're taking care of yourself on a regular basis. So you can take care of everybody else on a regular basis. If you're, if you're not taking care of yourself, then when the team needs you most, or, you know, there's, there's times when the team needs a leader to step up, but you're busy, you know, taking care of your own stuff, you know, you don't have time to focus on the rest of the team and you're doing everyone a disservice. And which again, like you said, as much as it is a service to the team, part of that service to the team and your teammates is taking care of yourself. That's a responsibility you have. So I think it's a great, a great way to bring that back. Um, you know, I don't want to take up too much more of your, your morning here, Joe, but I got to ask my, my favorite question. Uh, what is your definition of leadership? What is my definition of leadership? I think um, probably the definition of leadership it stems from, from being a servant leader um, and, and making sure that you are doing it in a way that serves people, doing it in a way that isn't selfish, um, isn't, isn't, um, uh, you know, putting yourself above others. And I think, uh, you know, it, it, breaking down that servant leadership for me, it's, it's being vulnerable. Um, it's having real honest conversations. Um, and it's putting the team before yourself. Um, you know, I, I think one last story is 
um, in years past, especially when I was first on the team, like my whole focus and sitting on the bench for my first year and, and not getting to play very much because I wasn't very good. Uh, it, was, it was definitely warranted, but that was the goal. Like I wanted to get on the court, I wanted to get on the court, I wanted to get on the court. And, and realizing like later on in my career, even though I'm playing a lot last year, I probably played the most minutes um, since 2014 that I played and whatever and, and, and playing well. But I think seeing the team differently and going, now I might go, you know what, like coach, like this line needs to play. Like this line is one of our best and it doesn't have me in it, which in years past, I probably would have never done that. Right. Seeing, seeing like seeing um, the leadership growth of, of myself personally and being um, okay with not being on the court and trusting other guys and realizing, um, man, this line's probably better. Like this three, three, one, one line that the classification points, like th these guys, like we need, we need them to play and I need to help mentor them. I need to help see, Hey guys, what are you guys doing on defense? I think we should change here, change this. Uh, and, and, and years past, I probably would have never done that. And I think that's probably a better definition than I gave you, but just being able to say, you know what, like, I'm going to push these guys and love on these guys. Um, and it might like in really big scheme of things have a negative impact on my playing time, but it's going to make our team better. Right. So it's not about Joe. It's about the team. Right. Right. I love it. I love it. And the communication piece, you know, obviously the, uh, the overall theme of today's conversation with you and um, I, you know, I don't think you could ever hammer that enough and kind of what it results in the culture um, and the servant leadership and communication. Those are my biggest takeaways from you today, Joe. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Always great to have such great guests. You know, we're, we're very lucky to have had the guests we've had and, you know, the captain's coach podcast is, is successful or not successful based on the guests and, and today definitely a success. Um, so thank you, Joe. And uh, I'll talk to you sometime in the future. I'm sure any other conversations, maybe, uh, maybe we'll bring you back on for round two. Sounds great, Luke. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Poulet. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.